I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. This week, we're going to continue with encouragement for moms. With Mother's Day around the corner, it was on my heart to just share with you some practical ways that you as a mom can invest into your children. And if you're not a mom, this can either give you a vision for the future or even maybe give you some practical advice if you are working with children, discipling them or teaching them in any way. So this is going to be an episode on powerful prayer strategies for busy moms. One of the most common phrases that I've thought myself and heard other moms say is this, I'm a mom of little kids, I don't have time for prayer. Maybe you've said that yourself or heard other people say it. It's a very popular phrase among Christian mothers today. And even though scripture is clear about the position and priority that prayer should have in a believer's life, as young mothers or moms who are in the middle of those child raising years, it's so easy to start believing that we are somehow exempt from this kind of prayer. I mean, God understands, right, that it's just not practical. How can we possibly make prayer a high priority when we're raising children who are needing us day and night? There's that old-fashioned saying that says a man works from the rising to the setting of the sun, but a woman's work is never done. And I'm sure if you're a mom, you've felt that before because we never really get a break from mothering. As mothers, we need to be available to our children 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So how can we possibly make room for prayer with such a demanding call on our lives? And really, you can apply this question to any season of your life in which you're feeling like you're too busy to pray. You're too busy to really make prayer the priority that you know it should be in your life. Now, I definitely won't pretend that raising children makes prayer any easier. There have been a lot of seasons in my child raising years when I've attempted to coast spiritually, just whisper a few hurried prayers as I'm getting dressed in the morning or driving my kids to their activities. When I feel frenzied or exhausted, prayer is usually the very last thing that seems realistic. And I start thinking, surely God understands how hard I've been working, how tired I am, how impractical it is to fit a lengthy prayer session into my day. He won't mind if I just say a few hurried statements here and there to him whenever I can fit it in. But I have learned firsthand that this is actually a dangerous way to approach your prayer life. Not because spending a certain amount of time in prayer is somehow going to make you more righteous or spiritual, but simply because time in God's presence is what gives you the fuel you need to live out the calling that he has placed on your life. I remember a mother of six once saying to me, I'm too busy not to pray. And I think that is a great way to look at it. Whenever I start thinking I'm too busy to pray, I need to reverse that and say, actually, I'm too busy not to pray. Jesus talked about this principle in Matthew 6, when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that you need is basically what he was saying will be added to you. When we put him in his rightful place as the highest priority of our lives, Everything else we need will fall into place. We will have all the strength, energy, peace, creativity, and grace we need to be the mother that he has called us to be when we seek him first. I often think of the story of Mary and Martha when I'm struggling to keep prayer in its rightful place. If you think about that story, it seemed very impractical for Martha to stop bustling around the kitchen and to really just sit at Jesus' feet like Mary was doing. And she was probably thinking, Jesus understands how much work I need to get done, how many responsibilities I have on my plate. Surely he knows I can't just drop everything to spend time with him. And yet Jesus said to Martha, you are worried about many things, but only one thing is needed. What was that one thing? 
It was to sit at his feet, to bask in his presence, to build a relationship with him, and to listen to his word. Martha's serving in hospitality was actually not the problem. The problem was that she was attempting to do these things in her own strength without making time with Jesus her highest priority. And as a result, Martha was worried, frazzled, and encumbered with much serving. That is a perfect description of so many young moms today. Serving our families and meeting our children's needs is not the problem, but attempting to do it without the undergirding strength that comes through prayer and time in Christ's presence quickly leads to burnout and stress, just like it did for Martha. And then the more burned out and stressed we become, the more we try to convince ourselves that we are simply too exhausted and frenzied to fit prayer into our lives. Long and short, prayer is the fuel that makes truly godly motherhood work. It's not just the act of praying, but the process of connecting in a personal way with the King of all kings. The act of casting our cares upon him and gaining the grace we need for the set-apart life he has called us to live. Christ-centered mothering is Christ-enabled mothering. In other words, it's impossible in our own strength. Time with our King, pouring out our heart to Him, meditating on His truth, and worshiping Him is what fills us, refuels us, and equips us for this calling like nothing else can. So I heartily agree with that mom of six. We should be too busy not to pray. Now, exactly how do we accomplish this practically? Here are some steps that have greatly helped me keep prayer as a priority in my life, even with six children to raise. The first one is is a quote from Corey Ten Boom, have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. So simple and yet so profound. I read this in one of Corey Ten Boom's books quite a few years ago. She said, don't pray when you feel like it, rather have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. So don't base it on emotion. Don't wait till you're in the mood to pray. Schedule it into your day and be committed to that no matter what. I found this to be so helpful in making prayer a high priority because prayer is often not what we feel like doing. We're usually distracted with other things, but when we set a regular appointment with the King of all kings and we honor that appointment, no matter what our body or our emotions might tell us, our soul is going to be greatly benefited. Usually it's going to be a time when The demands of the day are not clamoring for our attention. So early in the morning before our children wake up or when they're napping or late at night after they go to bed. Now, that might make you groan just hearing that statement. It's like, do you mean I have to get less sleep just to guard my prayer life? And I've struggled with that very much in the past several years because I often feel exhausted in raising six children. And getting up early is not easy for me, especially when I've been awakened by kids several times in the middle of the night. But I love what Elizabeth Elliot said in her book, Discipline the Glad Surrender. The best time for most people is early morning, not because most of us love jumping out of bed, but because it's the only time of day when we can be fairly sure of not being interrupted and because it's best to commune with God before you commune with people. Your attitude towards them will then arise out of your life in Him. Offering to God the first hour of the day is a token of consecration of all our time. There have been seasons when it was not possible for me to get up before my children and have a time of prayer, like when I have a newborn or struggling with some sort of physical issue that impacted my sleep. And in those seasons, I've had to come up with creative solutions to make time for prayer. Sometimes I've had a helper come to the house first thing in the morning to handle the kids for a while while I had a quiet time. Other times, Eric has stepped in to manage things while I can have that time that I need in prayer and in the word. Once my kids got past the infant and toddler stage, having a regular time each morning for them to sit and quietly read or have their own quiet time is a great time for me to also spend time in prayer. 
So whether you get up before your children or just designate another time of day where you can be pretty sure you won't be interrupted, the key is regularity, consistency, and commitment. The second practical in guarding prayer is to remove time wasters and distractions. This is a huge one for modern day mothers. We so often look at our daily schedules and we can't see any available time for prayer and seeking God, but often our lives, even as moms, are filled with subtle distractions and time wasters that take up far more of our time than we realize. So often when we simply cut these things out or reduce the amount of time we're spending on them, we can free up large portions of time that can be redirected towards prayer, journaling, and Bible study. For instance, how many hours each day are you spending on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest? Social media itself isn't wrong, but when we spend more time socializing or browsing online than we do in our prayer life, it quickly gets to an unhealthy position. And the same is true for movies, television, other forms of entertainment. Most media has very little, if any, eternal value, and yet many of us frequently devote hours upon hours of our week to this pastime, leaving very little room left over for prayer. Not to mention the fact that when we fill our minds with messages and images from pop culture, we're not going to be meditating on truth, and that habit can weaken our spiritual life and dampen our intimacy with Christ. When I finally became willing to step away from some of my leisure activities that I had been so addicted to, like vegging in front of movies several times a week or constantly being on the internet, I found that I suddenly had a lot of free time to devote to prayer. If you're struggling to find time for prayer and spending time in the Word every week, I encourage you to prayerfully consider cutting back or eliminating trivial things that may be eating up large portions of your time, like social media or pop culture entertainment. Exchanging those leisure time activities for prayer can be a difficult sacrifice to make at first, but we have to remember which one is more important in the light of eternity. And in other episodes, we've talked about what will truly refresh our soul. It's not me time or self-indulgent time, but time at the feet of Jesus. The third practical is to get back up on the horse. A lot of us will go through unusual seasons where we just can't be consistent in our prayer life, whether we've just had a baby or maybe a difficult pregnancy, a hospital stay, some kind of family crisis, where every spare moment of our time and energy is simply given to survival mode. I've been through seasons like that before where we did pray, Eric and I did pray during these seasons, but it was more like short bursts of crying out to God whenever we could just steal away for a few minutes. And I know that God gave us grace during those crisis seasons and that he was sustained us supernaturally, even though it wasn't possible for us to spend hours wrestling in prayer. But I've learned that when we go through a season like that, as soon as things calm down and life returns to a more normal pace, it's so important to build regular, consistent prayer back into your life. Whenever we walk through a crisis, the temptation is to continue letting prayer slide because it feels like a big effort to get back into a healthy prayer routine after being out of the groove for so long. But the best principle I have learned when coming out of an unusual season is to just get back up on the horse, as the saying goes. When life seems to buck me off my normal prayer routine, I've learned not to just accept it, but to rise up on God's strength and get right back in the saddle as soon as I possibly can. And instead of feeling like I somehow have to play spiritual catch up when I haven't spent much time in prayer for a while, I find rest in the fact that I can simply pick up right where I left off. No matter what I have walked through, God is unchanging and he's always ready and waiting for me to cast my cares upon him. 
The last practical is to develop a prayer strategy. My parents became Christians when I was two years old. And from that time on, they began praying specific prayers for my future. For instance, that God would prepare my future husband as a man of God, that they would recognize him when he came into my life someday. The fruit of those prayers was realized 16 years later when God wrote my love story with Eric. Even before anything romantic happened between us, my parents had an assurance in their heart that he was the one God intended for me to marry. And I believe that was because of their faithful, diligent prayers all of those years. Now that I'm a mother myself, I know even more how important it is to pray diligently and consistently for my children. All of the godly child training and home organization in the world won't amount to much if prayer is not at the core of everything we're doing in our homes. We have seen so many breakthroughs with our children when we wrestle in prayer for very specific things in their lives. For the past 10 years or so, Eric and I have had a habit of writing what we call a sacred list or a prayer strategy for our family. Every night we set aside time to lift these requests to God and we continue praying about them until we sense a breakthrough has come. It's been so amazing to see the way that God has worked in our home and family life as a result of this kind of purposeful praying. Rather than just simply praying general prayers like help our kids behave well, we're trying to be purposeful about taking every specific request, no matter how big or small, to God in prayer. We've prayed about everything from potty training all the way up to sibling rivalry issues to very serious behavior issues that we've seen in some of our children. And we found that we didn't understand true praying until we began to pray with boldness and specifically. And you've probably heard me say this quote before if you've listened to my episodes on prayer, but I love what Charles Spurgeon said. There is a general kind of praying which fails for lack of precision. It's as if a regiment of soldiers should all fire off their guns anywhere. Possibly somebody would be killed, but the majority of the enemy would be missed. For each of our children, Eric and I have that specific prayer strategy of things that we're praying for, big issues, small issues, and issues pertaining to their future. The more specific, the better. We know that if God knows the number of hair on their head, he certainly cares about every detail of their daily lives. And that specific prayer strategy has helped us maintain the consistency in our prayer life that we know God desires us to have. Here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you. Remember that your relationship with Christ is meant to be the anchor of your soul. Don't allow it to fade into the background, even during the busy years of raising children. If you do, your entire perspective will be out of whack. But when you make the decision to put him first, even when it requires sacrifice, everything else in your life will fall beautifully into place. I hope you have a wonderful and Christ-centered Mother's Day. God bless.